OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Uh, Guillaume, welcome very much to... Uh, we're awesome to have you part of the Open, Open People Network, Ask an Angel, and... Uh, yeah, so today the best way to start and to jump into to what we're all about is if you can give everybody a little bit of a background on yourself, kind of where you've come from, what you've been up to, uh, with the new ventures you're working on now, and then uh, one thing about you that nobody will know. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll start from the top. So basically, I'm uh, one of the managing partners at Valley Day Venture Partners. And pretty much what we do is we try to connect all of the actors in the, the startup ecosystem, uh, primarily startups and adding value also to investors. Um, and what I like the most is trying to figure out how we can get particular startups to that next level um, and, and really figuring out what would be the best fit and it's it's always like a almost like a boxing match where it's like okay this didn't fit but i got an uppercut for you next so uh that one might land so it might be a, a good fit there so um that is in a nutshell um really what i like doing uh particularly in uh with tech startups and first we've been only active in in europe uh, but then we started expanding and playing around, um, connecting with startups from the U.S. And since today, officially, we're also um, working together with some startups uh, in Southeast Asia. So for us, it's, it's all about really making sure that all of the mechanisms in, in startups, they, they, they rotate the correct way and manner and the correct direction and things like that to really get them uh, to that next level. And as for something that some that people would never really know about me is that, um, well, one common misconception is that my name is French, but I don't speak a word of French. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, we may, you might have to get some French in there just so that... Uh... You're not misleading with uh, Guillaume, right? I guess uh, we'll uh, we'll have to send you some French lessons just so that uh, you don't have to worry about that claim anymore. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll try to connect with a French startup. <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, and and maybe just a little bit about um, your previous background. Uh, you worked with a, a startup. You were part of. Well, I guess it was a startup. Um, and you were the CTO side, is there some other, like just some background little details about things that really drive you to get you into where you are today? Yeah, so um, I actually really build up from the bottom up where I started as, as a web developer and really, really doing the, the, the programming myself uh, and things of that nature. But uh, as I was helping more clients um, with those tasks, I noticed a, 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 you could say, a common thread where there's, there were two types of groups where it's, they're either tech-heavy or business-heavy. 
Um, so I figured if I'm already quite knowledgeable in the tech scene. Um, let me start reading up and getting into the business uh, side of things. And that's how I got connected with, with other investors, uh, VCs and whatnot. Um, and that, that took a couple of years. Uh, but initially, it started out as web developer just doing some small jobs here and there. Um, and then the first um, startup uh, I was actually CTO at, that, that was my, um, you can say, jump off point to bigger things because that was the first startup where I was truly involved with day-to-day um, -day actions um, that, that needed to take place to go from just a regular WordPress website to a completely customized platform that they have uh, that built out and things of that nature. And once I started to figure out what was truly needed within startups on a day-to-day -day basis, um, I started to focus on particularly um, looking at business models as to how they work and also evaluating, especially tech, tech startups, their, their product, um, looking at, okay, how efficient is it running? Um, and, 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 really looking at the product side as well. So those are the, the key things that I learned um, really building up. And uh, as, as a, um, you can say, as a CTO at one of those early startups, I was also uh, at a accelerator program. So I, I kind of picked up a couple things as to what they were looking at and things of that nature. So I, I was exposed to all of that information, which gave me um, kind of, uh, I was I was only taking notes as to, okay, how can I improve my craft? So I, I started focusing on the, the, the business models of these startups and their product themselves. So that's, so that's kind of uh, a bit more specific. No, that's awesome. So can you relate a little bit more to that CTO experience, that web development experience to what you bring into the startups when you're working with them, because I think it really does transition a lot of, um, and you kind of mentioned the two buckets, you've got business and tech uh, a lot of the time. And I don't know the percentage, but I'm going to say that uh, maybe there's like 80% of um, founders aren't really technical oriented. They don't have mm -hmm. the, the true understanding of tech um, and you becoming this, uh, having this tech background, have you seen that it makes a big difference in that conversation that you're having with, with startups? Yeah, so pretty much what, what tends to happen is um, you, you basically hit it on the head. A lot of these founders, they're not really tech savvy, um, uh, but let's say they have a, a development team. Um, there's always a disconnect between those founders and that development team. Um, where it's almost one speaking English and the other one speaking Greek. You, 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 they don't understand each other. So me having my base in, in the tech world um, and then reading up and getting more familiar with the business aspect um, gave me the opportunity to almost be a translator between both parties. So a practical example would be uh, the founder coming in asked, the, hey, we need to update the look and feel of, uh, of the product so that users can, can, can get to A to B faster. If you tell that to a developer, it's like, 
okay, so you need a button or what do you need exactly, <laughs> you know? So on my side, it would be on me as, okay, we're going to focus on the user interface. Uh, within the user interface, the flow from one screen to another needs to go seamlessly. And then I would go communicate with the founders as, okay, what, what is important to you? Then they would highlight maybe two or three points that, that they want the, the emphasis on. And then I get back to the tech team as to, okay, um, functionality-wise, it needs to be focused on, it needs to be prominently highlight this particular product or this particular button. And it needs to, it needs to go from one screen to the other um, ASAP as soon as they, they click on that button. Um, so so that, that's a, a more practical example. As it pertains to, you can say, that the business model, um, what a lot of startups actually, um, I wouldn't say miss, but um, they are very passionate about the dream that, and the vision that they see. So what sometimes tends to happen is that they miss that they need a product market fit. So from my side, I tend to strip down the business model to its bare bones and really look at what is, what is truly needed and what is not. Like I, I have a, almost like a, a priorities list of what, what's necessary and what's a, a luxury to have within that product. Uh, so so that, those are some, some more practical examples. And is this going all the way back to, are, are you guys mostly focusing on pre-seed and seed round companies so that when you're working with them, you can make those types of changes and, and use use cases and find ways to better deal with the customers that are coming to their product or utilizing their product. So I'm assuming if you're further upstream, they probably have less chance of making those changes. So do you tend to look for really early stage companies that are in the process of building these out? Um, we typically have two programs um, like for, for that. We have a, a two-week program um, and a three-month program for that, where um, the two-week program is, is kind of um, is also meant for, for investors to maybe give some of their portfolio companies a boost. Um, just as to, hey, um, can't really figure out what's going on with them. Um, can you guys look under the hood and really fire them up? Um, and that is that tends to be for um, pre-seed, but mostly seed stage uh, types of companies. Um, and when it comes to a bit more mature companies, let's say early stage, uh, early stage companies or almost Series A uh, companies, with them we solely focus on business development. So let's say um, a company, so for example, right now we have a FinTech company um, that we're helping that, that is already generating a couple million uh, annually. Um, what we're trying to do with them is to um, almost make them a bit more scalable by trying to identify uh, markets that they either can penetrate or um, reviewing some of their products where it might be feasible for um, other target, uh, target audiences or, or groups that they didn't consider yet. 
So those, the, that's kind of how the focus tends to shift. Okay. Well, that's uh, well valuable to, to understand how and what you guys work with and where you fit in. Um, so you almost get into uh, being that you're doing biz dev and you're doing updates and, and being able to help them sort through their, uh, their fundamental changes to get to better sales. It seems like it's just a pure sales funnel. Uh, we'll make these changes so that you can start generating uh, more uptake and more viewers and more people into your product. Um, how do you guys offset this? Is it done? Because you guys do come a little bit more unique from uh, being just a pure investor, angel investor. You guys are looking at this from how do we get in here at the, at the beginning, help you work through your fundamental changes, updates and fixes, and carry this through as you continue to grow and, and build inside of that company. Uh, so is there a limited number of companies that you'll work with in a year um, or is it open-ended? And then how do you structure those, those deals so that uh, you're benefiting, but so are the companies you're working with? Yeah, so basically, very good question. So basically from us, the, the way we, we, we typically work with these startups, um, we have two-week programs, which are um, every other month. Um, and, and with those, those programs, we take a maximum of 15 startups. And with those, the, those, those startups that we, that we help, um, we, it's a, a very high intensity workplace um, where startups receive, you could say, trainings and workshops and, and, and webinars uh, almost on a daily basis. Um, then that would be week one. And in week two, it's really going after structural changes that they need to kind of implement into their strategy to get greater growth. Um, and as week two is kind of, uh, kind of proceeding, um, that's when we typically start looking at, okay, you guys came here to grow, but at the same time, uh, when all of this starts to really pan out, you guys might also need to really look at how are you guys going to get funding? So then we allocate um, one or two sessions um, to getting them investor ready. Um, the three month program is a bit different because there we have a bit more mature um, audience, a bit more uh, mature group. Um, and that's where we, we break it down month by month. And, um, that would be mostly focused on uh, expansion. So that's where we would look at, okay, um, you're right now in Europe. Um, we have some connections in Asia or we have some connections in this country that might also um, be able to use some of your products so we can get that connect um, really set up. Um, and, and that is really, uh, that's also a 15, uh, 15 startup uh, limit and we have that for for Europe we have it twice a year and for Asia also twice a year and uh, with regards to actual uh, a bit more specific um, the the um, uh, in the end of January um, we have the first two-week program um, and in February, we'll start with uh, the, the Europe slash uh, US 
um, three-month program. And in May, we'll have the first uh, Asia, Southeast Asian European Connect three-month program. And then in quarter, uh, in the fourth quarter, we'll have um, uh, the other European three-month program. Amazing. That sounds so busy, it's not even funny. But you guys uh, obviously have no problem making that work. Uh, so how big, uh, you've got the 15 startups for the, to each buckets. Um, how do you manage this on a team front side? So is there like account managers that focus on five companies each? Uh, or is it uh, full rounded that you've just got people coming in and connecting, you've built a schedule for them? and they're really just focused on the schedule you guys have put together for that three months or that two weeks. Um, so it's high intense, get it through, make it through. Um, or do you give sparing time so that the startups can continue to build and grow and network and do the things they need to, but you've got touch points all the way through. How does that structure work? Yeah, so with both programs, the two-week program and the three-month program, um, before we begin, every startup receives kind of um, targets that they um, will need to reach. Uh, with the three-month program, we're more focused on the targets. With the two-week program, that's where we can we can kind of be um, where we're mostly focused on getting them to to to, to pick up all of that information. So with all of those, one sell into the other. Is that kind of the idea that? Once you've completed the two weeks, then you're going to be more interested to do the three months because exactly. you've got some progress, you've got some good legs up, things have moved forward. Now you jump into the three months and we'll help you yeah. tackle a lot more. Exactly. And um, as for the team management uh, aspect, for all of those, those 15 startups, they'll be uh, assigned to one project manager. Um, granted, one project manager might have two or three startups. Um, but the way we kind of rotate a bit um, in each, each, you could say continent, we have several partners and all of these partners have a certain time slot um, with the startups. So with them, since we, we, we work together with them, um, they report back to me and my, my, my senior level team to say, hey, um, this startup actually might need a bit more sales. So this one, um, they might need a bit more of that. Um, the way it works or the way we keep track of that is because right now we're kind of finalizing a platform that we're building where um, investors and startups um, in full transparency would be able to kind of have a look into, all right, um, their 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 traction is to this level in the sense that okay they've been growing their amount of sales every month um the way we made it interesting for um, investors is that every startup has a due diligence profile so whenever a, a, a investor would be interested in a particular startup all they have to do is look up that startup and request the, their due diligence report or their traction report, and boom, we have a match already. So we're using the tools that are available to us um, while also not neglecting the human factor um, in the whole. Um, when it comes to the three-month program, we're, we're doing that as well. But as I mentioned, we're mostly focused on the targets per se. 
um, where especially in month number two, that's where we really start looking at, okay, whatever we did in month number one, yes, it's working or no, it wasn't working. So we need to adjust this, this, and this. And then in month number three, that's where it's business development on steroids, where it's like, okay, uh, it has been working now. Now, how do we exponentially grow that? Which markets can we help you expand to? And when you're doing that um, expansion side of it, are you guys putting, I know some accelerators, incubators, they provide uh, like cash infusions to obviously bump their, their models up or uh, they do certain ways on criteria to help them with if it's uh, SEO spend or organic spends, like things that are going to help generate through that, those channels. Uh, do you guys work and focus on any of those things or that's still based up to the, the, the startup? And you'll just work with them to kind of work them through different sales channels and finding their niche and finding their way to uh, closing faster and bigger deals. Well, for us, it's, it's mostly us working with those startups per se. We provide the expertise and most of all experience um, when it comes to our, especially our uh, Asian, um, Asian program. That's where we have connections with the government. So that's where we help startups either from the US or Europe really set up shop in um, Vietnam and Singapore um, in those types of countries where people don't really know what's really going on. But at the same time, those markets are right now really on the rise. The economy there is, is starting to really rise. So that's where our connections with the government really pay off because we'll be able to provide a clear roadmap as to, hey, work with this, this ministry of, of uh, finance or whatnot, uh, because that's where you need to be to get a grant from the government. Or that's where you need to be um, if you're an investor and you're looking for the best tax breaks in that area. So, so that's pretty much how we, um, that's our strategy because, um, when you, it's, it's like we're providing, we're trying to provide the most resources to these startups, but at the same time, experience is the best lesson, you know, like, like once they, once they, once they get that experience under their belt, where, um, when, where, where they, they go through it, um, that's, that's, that's our focus. So we try to provide tools but not where we try to spoil them too much. <laughs> no, for sure. So do you build KPIs with each of the companies when you start, when you bring them in, you kind of sit them down and say, okay, here's what we want to achieve. So at the end of the program, uh, we want to be able to achieve 120% growth over three months. And here's how we're going to do it. Here's some KPIs so that everybody on both sides is working towards a goal. And then the follow-up to that is how do you choose the companies and where do they come from? Yeah, um, when it comes to selecting, I'll start with that question first. When it comes to selecting the startups, we, we're not really um, looking to compete with other organizations. Um, that's why when I reached out to you, it was all love, all respect um, as to, hey, um, ultimately we need to add value to these startups and these investors. So for us, we get deal flow from all of these organizations coming in 
uh, as a hey, you know, take a look at this this startup. I think they they'd be a good fit or not, and that that makes it all work because ultimately it's a win win for everybody. Um, as it pertains to providing a a a roadmap for these startups, um, we initially uh, take in all of all of the requests to kind of join our program. Uh, there's some some clear uh, guidelines what needs to be in their their say in their deck um, what we what we review um, and then they'll get invited for a, a intake and ultimately they'll be either approved or they'll get a list of potential points that they need to improve um, and then once they are the ones that are approved they receive they receive kind of a uh, you can say uh, a roadmap um, actually sent to us as to hey this and this and this day, you will we will have a call to discuss this component, that component, that component, um, and all of which would be centered around um, reaching clear KPIs. In um, practical example, would be hey, your customer acquisition costs right now are way too high. So within the first week, we'll start focusing on what can we slash. Um, on your PNL sheet because right now it's it's costing you more than it's bringing in. So let's try to focus on that. You know, so so that's that's pretty much how we phase it out um, through that that in, entire week or entire um, three month program. Oh, which is great, and it, and it all centers around sales. It just centers around business development. So. I know you mentioned there's a little bit of IT, but I think those are just changes that you're making to accommodate growth and sales. So I I think that it sounds like uh, you guys are really putting together a great little program that's going to allow for companies in different countries to be able to get better exposure and deliver more on their bottom line uh, to allow them to survive. And again, at the end of the day, when you're driving sales, that's also going to generate a value for investors to come in because they're going to see that they finally have some market fit. Um, if they didn't have it before you guys, they're going to be able to get it while they're working with you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and uh, for us, we typically are always open uh, to, to collaborate and whatnot. And um, the, the one area where the, the tech expertise always comes in um, is when you need to mesh business and the product together because um for example like right now um i'm involved with a virtual reality startup um where i also have some equity and really helping them to get to that next level um with them the in the beginning it was more like hey we 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 can do x y and z with virtual reality okay cool who's your target audience but then there was no match with the product and the target audience. It was like, okay, um, one of those two will have to give. And that's when they figured out, okay, our target audience is wrong, we'll adjust that. And now that they, they found the right target audience, now it's a matter of going back to the tech as to, okay, how can we fine tune it to really cater to that audience? And that's where you get to, okay, Right now, our virtual reality solution, it's um, taking too long. What is available on the market for us to have a shorter development time for our clients? Um, so it's, it's 
it's always a, a handshake, um, which, which is inevitable. So it's, it's, uh, we try to keep an eye on both. No, that's good. And how do you, um, now there's the skill set that you're bringing to uh, how this all works and how about your partner and the rest of your senior team? What type of experience and skills are they bringing that really help either uh, make your skill set shine more or do they offset your skill set so that when you guys are going in, you're going in as a powerhouse to help these companies all change? What is that diversity that you guys bring to the game? Yeah, so um, my my uh, my my business partner uh, AJ, which you've also met, he is really the the marketing genius that I am not. Um, like I can I can have the vision as to hey, we're gonna take these guys to that next level, but he'll come up with the creatives as to hey, um, let's put something here and we'll, we'll put some flowers there. Like really have that soft touch where I'm like, I'll come in with a hammer and try to hammer it out, you know? So, so he keeps me balanced on that front. Um, and then we have um, our, our other partner, Josh, um, who's, who's um, really big in the financial world. Um, so when it comes to uh, certain um, investor or financial relations, reviewing PNL sheets and things like that. Um, that's where he's really at home. Um, and together we're almost like a three-headed monster where it's like, okay, what do you got? Um, okay, tech-wise, Dion, get him. Uh, marketing, uh, all right, AJ, um, what do you think does not fit with, uh, with their, their, their roadmap that they have right now? And then when it comes to crunching the numbers, that's when Josh comes in and asks, okay, this doesn't make any sense. We need to drop those costs ASAP. So, so, so those, with those two, they're my, my go-to guys. And, and per, per continent, um, like uh, in Southeast Asia, I'm working with um, uh, 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 two guys, um, two Hungarians, uh, Chaba and Ben. And they are, one is really um, connected with the government. The other is really big on business development. Um, so both really give me a heads up as to, okay, with, with um, certain types of startups, we need um, this and this and this as hard requirements or whatnot. You know, so, so that's where, that's how that, that dynamic pretty much works. I love it. So there's a, a really good synergy between the three of you offsetting each other's skill sets. So there's not any stepping on toes. It really is a great support factor. And I, and I think that that's what I, I felt the same when even in when we were doing our talks, um, you could see that your partners were uh, really stepping up in certain areas, especially on the marketing side, um, as you were kind of coaching the conversations and everything else. So I thought it was, uh, well, one, very well done. But on the second hand, I can see how this dynamic would be a great way to help startups uh, really work their way through uh, your programs and get you to the end result, which is I need to get growth, even though I'm in an early stage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, at the same time, we're, we're all learning from each other. So um, when, when, when AJ makes a, makes a deck, um, I'm picking up as to, okay, I should always have our logo there or, something like that. 
um, so that when I hand over something, it's not all bare bones that he has to work from scratch, but it at least has something on it from him for him to um, proceed with. Um, and same goes with Josh, uh, with everything first coming uh, on onto my desk. It's like, okay, Josh, here you go. That's that for you. AJ, there you go. Um, now let's let's uh, really set it up for these guys um, and 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 make a roadmap that that makes sense for them. I love it. I love it. So, uh, when's your next cohort start? What's the date of it? Um, our next our our next event actually is December fifteenth. Our okay. uh, next two week uh, program starts. If I'm not mistaken, it's January twentieth. Okay, that's our two week program. Yeah, perfect. And then, uh, just for context purpose, because I know that you work in different countries, uh, where are you currently right now, and where are you going to be in the new year? Um, right now, in, I'm in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Um, and basically with the kickoff of the two-week program, I'll, I'll remain um, here in, in Amsterdam. But in May, as soon as we kick off the, the, the three-month program in Asia, I'll most likely be in Vietnam. Um, first to officially kick off the official first, very first uh, cohort. Um, so there's a couple drinks involved there. <laughs> and um, uh, so I'll be in Vietnam. And then I'll most likely have to fly back to Europe to kick off uh, the second three-month program for, for the, the Europe uh, three-month program and uh, um, the, the, the other two-week programs in between. Because the two-week programs are mostly, I only oversee them. And um, Josh and, and, and AJ really get it down to the nitty gritty. Nope, that's awesome. Uh, very exciting. I'm a big fan of Vietnam and the Netherlands. Uh, I've been multiple times to each country, country and um, I'm a fan on both sides. So it uh, sounds like there's great things happening there. So I love that there's so much dynamic and movement. So uh, very cool. Um, I guess uh, my next question, I guess, or something that I'd love to learn more about is that while you've been working with all these different companies and the kind of the experience that you've gone through to get to where you are today, what got you on this path? What made you think, man, I really want to get in here and kind of dig in and help these companies and find a way to help them differently. Um, well, to, 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 to start with that, it was mostly by, by accident. Um, um, because as I mentioned in the beginning, I, I wasn't, when I first started with uh, the first websites that I was making, I didn't even consider, hey, you can set up your own company. Oh, okay, I can do that. All right. <laughs> and and once I I, I, I and make up, it global, like it's not like you're just working in your basement. You're like working across the world. You're going into other countries. You've kind of expanded this quite quickly. So you're doing lots of great things. But something had to trigger you to say, hey, I'm in. I'm moving this way. Well, it was it was. It, it, it started with that, that, okay, that's even possible. Um, and as you, as you get into other environments, I remember the first call I had with a investor in trying to raise capital for uh, one of the first startups that I was working with. 
Um, and it was first we were negotiating a, a, a corporate exclusive deal um, for that startup per se. And that guy was like, yeah, right now um, we're actually also raising capital and we're looking to raise 400 million. And if it wasn't just a voice call, he would have seen the flabbergasted look on my face because I could not fathom hearing 400 million drop so casually. So those types of experiences get you to, okay, that's possible too. And, and then it became like, yeah, okay. Then you fund, you, you, you raise capital for your first company. Okay, done. Okay, what's next? Oh, um, we're actually from Japan and we're trying to get into the European market. All right. I haven't done anything yet, but that's when that inner entrepreneur jumps in as the I'm not gonna tell you that. You know, but I can figure it out. I know I can figure it out. And that's when you that work ethic comes in to really, really struggle first and figure out what to do and figure out, okay, this is a good angle to to approach that topic. And um, kind of brings me back to what you had mentioned um, during our discussion panel is that it's okay to ask for help if you really need it, you know? And, and, and some people actually want to help, uh, but you have to humble yourself as say, yes, I can ask for help. And once you do that, a lot of doors will start to open. And because to be honest, I didn't expect to be doing business with the US and then with Asia um, and all of these other countries. But as more doors start to open, that ambition gets more and more fuel and you start to see all of these things that are possible and, and, and it grows and, and your, your, your own circle um, that if, if they are the ones really supporting you and, and really adding wood to that, that log, like that fire, then yeah, the sky's the limit. No, it's brilliant. And uh, I, I totally support that obviously because uh, I'm a fan of the, you know, if you don't ask, you'll never receive and you won't know if you ever could have got it. But at the same time, it is humbling. You do have to try and figure out how you can ask those questions. Uh, you know, I, I have the toughest time doing that all the time. But I do find is that uh, when you do get that to that state, when you start to see a problem, which Guillaume, I will say 100% that you are an entrepreneur through and through. And when you see a problem, you started to attack it and you keep solving that problem and you keep moving forward. And, and that's what entrepreneurship is all about, right? It's seeing that problem all the way through to the end. And then you started solving it in a bigger form and driving more people in and more people saw you starting that to fix that problem and they want to be part of it. So uh, and then you start asking questions and you start asking questions to the right people. And I will guarantee you that if you ask anybody a question for when it's around help, there is a 99% chance that someone will offer to help you back. Even if you think it's impossible People will always want to help because people want to be empowered. And if you can empower them, man, they will jump through hoops for you. And it's just all about how you ask. And it's, uh, you know, there's always a reverse and you got to help them too. So one thing I, 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 I would add to it is um, to actually stick with your initial vision um, in the sense that even when 
sometimes somebody doesn't help you or reach out yet, everything happens for a reason. At least that's what I believe. So sometimes even a setback is a, a setup for a comeback. Because I'll give you an example. Um, in February of, yeah, February this year, before the whole coronavirus and whatnot, I was going to set up um, a physical um, accelerator program. We had the building, we had everything set, list of investors, everything set. Guess what? Coronavirus came, the, the co-working space pulled out first, of course. Um, then the investors was like, well, we need to focus on our portfolio company and I'm left with only the plans. So then you have to really start figuring out, okay, what do I do now? What will work now if I really still want to do my accelerator program? Fast forward five, six months later, and I get in touch with a couple really interesting people that was like, well, I like your skill set. How can we do something? And you work on concepts, whatnot, months go by and then you suddenly have a new setup and hey this is actually even better than what i previously wanted to do and so so that is that is also one thing to keep in mind everything happens for a reason agreed and, and i like that being positive optimistic uh brilliant and that is the way you got to keep shifting and pivoting to get to the spot where you feel comfortable and then you got to work at different angles until you feel comfortable again because when you get too com comfortable, uh, I don't think you drive as fast forward. So always make yourself feel a little more uncomfortable and then just keep pushing. So, um, but that's brilliant, Guillaume. So now what we're going to do is we're going to jump into uh, our rapid fire questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we've got a couple personal questions to ask and we're, uh, we're off to the races. So uh, let's start off. All right. All Some right. of these questions you, you have answered before. So we'll just be reiterating so that the audience gets that uh, right into the back of that, uh, the mind there so that they won't forget. So in total, I guess, how many companies do you invest in per year? In this case, work with or invest in per year? Um, I work with a total of um, a minimum of at least 60 companies per year, but I either invest my time or money in just four companies per year. Perfect. Uh, I still want to be hands-on, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, any verticals you like to focus on? I'm industry agnostic, uh, but I stick to tech. Hardware is really not my thing. And to be a bit more specific, FinTech has been um, very, um, very popular, but also a, a, uh, a nice uh, industry to focus on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any due diligence requirements that you look for before you make any commitment into the company? Yes. I, I, I tend to look at first the, the product itself. Um, if there's, there's, if they, they've really done their work on the product, um, with my background, I'm, I'm able to see uh, if they if they really went in on it. Um, and second, the team, uh, because some people are entrepreneurs, not really entrepreneurs. 
So as soon as I sense a entrepreneur, I'm like, ah, no, I'm out. I'm out. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You know, I haven't heard that one, the entrepreneur, but I, uh, I, I, I like it. It's a, uh, it's a good, tough classification, but at the end of the day, uh, those there's, there are groups of people that do need a little bit more handholding to get them over the, over the line. And, um, those ones are tough too, when, uh, they don't have that full commitment. Yeah. Um, investment timelines, like, is there a time period that it takes you to do this one month, three months, a year? What do you, uh, what's the balance? Um, for us, it's almost like a sliding scale depends on how much we're raising. Um, typically for, you can say seed stage companies, it takes us, uh, either four months or to sometimes maximum six months uh, to raise the capital. Um, pre-seed stage, um, it, it's a bit shorter, but it, it uh, really six months is the max. Okay. Do you guys lead rounds and do you have any preferred terms like pref shares, common shares, safes? Um, it it, it um, truly depends on the, 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 the startup per se. Um, and for us, because we're not going to rob those guys blind when they say early stage startup. Uh, when, when we do go for, for equity, um, it's between five to maximum 10%. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, you guys do follow up investments. I guess you'll see how, how time goes. Um, and you guys take board seats. Yes. Um, usually in a, a, usually advisory board. That's usually our uh, sweet spot. Okay, so outside of uh, the way your program works on helping with sales, is there anything else that you guys do outside of uh, equity and the services that you do to help the companies, which is already a lot. So there probably can't be too much left, but if there is, is there anything else you guys uh, emphasize on helping startups with? Um, no, not, not really. Like really that, that biz dev, and, and, and looking into our Rolodex as to which contacts we can connect them with, that's, that's the, the full extent, yeah. Okay, awesome. So the, the next, uh, next question I have is that based on the last few years that you've been kind of working through this system, talking to a lot of startups, is there kind of this heartfelt story of a startup that you, maybe they didn't think they were gonna make it, they were having a tough go, Maybe COVID helped them skyrocket into fame. Is there anywhere that you see a, there's a good storyline here that you want to share about some great things that have occurred with one startup or two, whatever that might be, but just looking for something that's um, kind of one of those heartfelt stories that really keeps entrepreneurs excited about the, the, the challenges ahead, but the success that can come out of it. Um, well, um, this story isn't as recent. Um, it's the one where I had my, my first CTO job in the farm today. Um, and we were, we, we, we participated in a accelerator program, um, here in the Netherlands and we had to, it was, I think demo day and all of, most of the startups out of the, the, the 12 startups, um, there were at least eight startups that were, that were awesome, just awesome. And there were only five spots to get to that next level and also 
um, be put in a position to receive funding. And uh, me and the co-founder, um, we did our best during that, that, that program. Um, but the night before we, 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 we had to do our, our demo day presentation, um, I think I, 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 my, my mind was stuck on that Post Malone song, Congratulations, where it was whatever I did, I was on my way to the program. All I, all I was thinking was congratulations. All I was thinking. And the founder, he was like, he was like super nervous. Um, and, and he was joking, yeah. Yeah, you know I'm German, so we're we're sometimes a bit uptight, and um, but yeah, he was he was really really nervous, and I told him about uh, me hearing that song, and he was like, "Well, I kind of like that song too. Let's let's see what we can do." And um, we go up uh, to to present. The presentation goes well. We get a couple questions, so we're we're really feeling ourselves. But we were like the third or fourth startup that, that presented. And there were at least 10 more startups uh, that still had to present. And as we're sitting there and you feel every minute going by because some of those pitches are really great. <laughs> so you're starting to feel the pressure. And that song that I was hearing, the volume was going down. <laughs> And then, um, like, like I think two hours later, it was like, okay, we're we're going to announce who who, who gets to that next level. And the third company they named was Farm Today. And the founder and I, we just jump up. <laughs> I blatantly jump up after. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and like super hype. And that just goes to show that. If you have that 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 innate feeling that you're going to make it, um, sometimes it ends up in that that storybook ending. Sometimes it ends up with a lesson as to hey, maybe you should look at this or maybe you should look at that. Um, but but that that memory definitely was one of the the highlights where I'm like, yeah, as a startup, you can basically do anything. You just put in the work. <laughs> no, I love it. That's great. Yeah, it makes a, it makes a big difference. And uh, like you said, your mind was in the right space. So I think it makes a big difference, right? So uh, brilliant. And I, uh, I like that. Um, we are champions. And you know what? Maybe that's what you got to think about when you're driving forward. You got to keep thinking on the positive side and, uh, you know, good things will follow from that. Definitely. So we're, we're going to shift just quickly to... Um, Kind of near the end now, and, and it's been a great discussion. Learned lots of great things about how you guys are operating and functioning and, and how you guys envision this uh, uh, new world of how to work with startups. So we kind of shift to the po uh, more personal side. So I, I started doing this a couple of weeks ago, and I've become a big fan of it because I find it the most interesting kind of component to uh, discussions. So what's your favorite sports team? Um, Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Oh, nice. Now, have you always been a Lakers fan, or is that just because of the change that's occurred with the number no, one baller no. in the world? No, first I was a Chicago Bulls fan when MJ still played, but 
Then um, he retired, and then I got Kobe. So I was like, yeah, he passed away now, but yeah, kind of loyal to, to, to L.A. And oh, now Galaxy won, and like, like L.A. has been picking up championships this year. Like, yeah, <laughs> so I'm happy. Oh, I like it. I, you know what? I, I was a true-hearted Lakers fan uh, since I was a kid, and then we got the Raptors. And mm-hmm. the problem was is that the Raptors stunk. So I was a very loyal Lakers fan until about the fact where I realized I keep going to Raptors games to watch the Lakers play. How <laughs> can actually support a team that doesn't even – they're not here? So I eventually yeah. became uh, a Raptors fan, and it was just out of necessity because I kept going to Raptors games – and I couldn't just only go to Laker games as there were like three a year that I could go to. So it wasn't worth it. Yeah. So I eventually became a Raptors fan. And as much as I still like the Lakers, it's been like 20 years. So it's almost gone out of my mind now. Uh, but I was always a fan and you do still turn it on and still want to watch them because you, you love the yellow jerseys and you like the whole thing about uh, the Lakers, the story all the way through. So uh, they are. And last year you guys won the championship. We did. The Raptors won. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard was a big player in that, so he kind of helped us through. So, uh, and just circumstantial. Maybe they shouldn't have won. There was a couple of bad games we had, but you know what? We still pulled it off, and that's all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so your favorite movie, and what mm-hmm. character would you play in that movie? Ooh, favorite. Okay, I'm a very old-school... I'm, I'm torn between the old-school types of movies that I like, so, for example, I like, um, there's a movie, 1955, High Society, with um, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, and Louis Armstrong, um, uh, called High Society. It's an awesome, amazing movie. That's one that I truly love. Um, other than that, uh, Hitch with Will Smith. Um, I definitely be Will Smith in that one, <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> and um, uh, if I need to pick a third movie, it would be um, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, Woman of the Year with Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. All right. If uh, I got to check out some of the, I think I have actually seen the first one, High Society. I think I seen that a long time ago. Uh, yeah, what character yeah. would you play in it? Um, in that one, I would be Bing Crosby. Yeah. All right. I'm going to yeah, have to watch that again because I can't remember the whole movie anymore. It's been a while, but I like the fact that you've gone all the way back to like 1950 movies. So we've had people pick Star Wars, uh, <laughs> even, uh, uh, even movies I've never even heard of. Another one yesterday was a French movie, which was really cool. So mm. there's in in uh, Intouchable, Intouchables. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that was, was a good great movie. movie. I actually see that one too. I thought great movie, and by far, it, you know, he he was all over that one. So uh, big fan, but uh, I like that Hitch was a good flick. Uh, it actually gave me an idea on building. A, uh, I think it was well, Hitch was probably ten years ago, maybe it yeah. came up. And I, I came up with this concept where it was a dating app that was going to be built off of LinkedIn so that you could mm. actually profile everybody 
and then drive it into dating because now you know some more metrics around the person. So it wasn't just about looks. It was about uh, looking yeah. inside. And uh, obviously I never built it. But regardless, it was still a cool way to use data. Um, never went uh, anywhere because LinkedIn shut off their API so we couldn't get access anymore. So we decided not to build it. But that was uh, a cool one that I thought would have been great because, hey, how else would you find a partner that you don't know everything about and it's all there? So yeah. why not? <laughs> but um, anyhow, so that's pretty cool. Well, I appreciate that. I'm going to check these out. I think that the, the high society, I need to re-trigger my mind around that. But of course, Will Smith and Hitch, how can you say anything different? That guy was a rock star. Regardless, in whatever movie he's in, he's always the rock star. So brilliant. Yeah. I like the choices. Um, and of course, the Lakers are okay. They're not as good as the Raptors, but that's okay. You can't always pick the winners. But I want to thank you, Guillaume, for uh, taking the time to be part of uh, uh, Ask an Angel. And uh, very excited at the opportunities that we have to work together. And uh, yeah. looking forward to seeing you on December 1st uh, from 2 to 5. So hopefully uh, you were able to make it to that. If you haven't, please sign up. We'd love to have you. Uh, there's going to be some great companies in there, and I'm sure there's going to be a few you guys might want to uh, jump in with, um, and we can make those intros too. So uh, looking forward to that. And again, thank you very much. And the way we like to end our shows, Guillaume, is we like to give you the last word. So if there's anything you want to share to investors or to startups, anything you want to say, the floor is yours, and I turn it over to you. Okay, the only thing I want to say to, to startups is stay motivated, stay ambitious, and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, to investors, I want to say risk is at every startup, but sometimes it's not just in numbers. Sometimes that gut feeling is good too. Um, as far as my team and I, we are always open to work with startups and investors, um, especially with working together with OPN um, and other organizations around the world. Um, we can all help each other out in one way or another. I love it. Well, I got, like I always do, lots of notes. You're a good man. Thank you very much for the insight. And uh, I like that line. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Definitely, definitely. All right, Guillaume, we're going to touch base later, but thank you again for your time today. Oh, that was great. Guillaume, uh, uh, working in the Netherlands, uh, really just taking down business all over the world. So fantastic. Uh, big fan of everything he's doing. Uh, working in the, the pre-seed and seed, uh, seed round, helping early stage companies focus on sales. Big, big, big need. And uh, making their investments and helping companies grow uh, really, there's there's not much to complain about there. It's all fast and it's making things happen. So I joined one of their events. They did a great job. Uh, it was really exciting and a lot of fun. And they brought in a lot of great people into that conversation. Um, and then again, his line, which I had to reiterate at the back, is don't be afraid to make mistakes. Uh, go after it. And uh, risk is always going to be there, but find a way to jump in and be part of that. So um, yeah, great, great conversation. So they bring a lot of experience and resources to help the startup to succeed. So uh, as he mentioned, he's got a starting event for two weeks, December 15th, and then they do uh, their next cohort for three months in January. So Guillaume, thank you. And everybody, enjoy your day.